Hello everyone, and welcome to Downsizing, the podcast where we try and figure out when the office actually ended, because everyone would have been fired. My name is Curtis, and I'll be your host, and with me is my co-host and resident office expert, Antoinette. Hi everyone. And Owen is again sleeping, uh, so he may join us later on in the episode. This week we will be discussing Season 6, Episode 20, New Leads. In this episode, sales is king, and Michael helps the office get back at sales. This cold open is not great, um, and it's just kind of a weird one-note thing. It's also a little hard to explain, maybe? Yeah, um, it, but it does set up kind of not really a theme for the episode. This is a, this is a running joke, but... It, it is just one of those, this is one of those episodes where Michael is a little more dim-witted than usual. Yes. Jim is in Michael's office, and Michael presents Jim with this photo of someone he took around his condo association and is all excited about it. And he says, Jim, look, 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 I took a picture of Johnny Depp. And Jim tries to point out just the absurdity, the near impossibility that Johnny Depp has decided to move into a condo in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And this is like, if you think about it, probably the height of Johnny Depp's fame. Maybe there's there's been at least one Pirates of the Caribbean out, maybe two. And we know that because Michael does a uh, Captain Jack Sparrow impersonation. I feel like there's three because Jim's, or Michael says... That he can finally pitch his idea for Pirates of the Caribbean 4. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Which they did end up making. They made two more, I believe. I think so. And Jim's just pointing out these inconsistencies, just trying to make Michael think a little bit. Michael then gets upset at Jim, just sort of saying like, yeah, I just have this one thing. Like, why do you have to kill my fun? Which, sure, I guess, but is this really the thing that is bringing so much joy to Michael's life, this incorrect notion that it's Johnny Depp? Which then Michael then admits, okay, it is impossible, and the name on the mailbox is M. Shamlin. And Jim sort of pauses and was like, M. Night Shamlin? And that's not even how you pronounce that director's name, but just trying to basically prank Michael. The main body of this episode starts with a conference room meeting, which seems to be, you know, just their general pointless one. They seem to be discussing day-to-day things. And at one point, Stanley raises his hand and asks, hey, is this meeting about the new leads that we're getting? And Michael's like, no, I don't have those yet. And it is at this point that everybody in the sales department pretty much just gets up and walks out of the meeting saying basically I have better things to do which obviously yes everybody generally has better things to do than go to one of Michael's conference room meetings but this instance seems to be coming from a bit more of a place of disrespect and insubordination Right. So the new setup of Sabre greatly favors the sales department, which makes sense since they're a company that sells things. However, you have to also think that accounting is still necessary. 
customer service is still necessary. Like one department shouldn't necessarily be more important than the other, but the way that Saber has things set up and their culture appears to be that sales is the most important and everyone else's job is to support sales and to make sure that that all the salespeople basically have everything that they need when they need it and, and they are running the company. So because of that, Sabre has spent $50,000 getting this marketing research firm to provide them with new leads. I am a little confused here. So when I first watched this episode, Once Upon a Time, when I think of a sales lead, I'm thinking of someone that expressed interest, not necessarily a fancy schmancy like used car salesman psychological trick to get someone to buy something basically but that's apparently what these leads are is that your understanding curtis it might be somewhere in between um this might be somebody that like you said has expressed interest in then why are they paying a marketing firm like fifty thousand dollars for that just to find to to do the I don't know, to reach out to these companies so they don't have to do it or whatever. Like, okay. just so you don't have people cold calling. Sure, I this see is what at you least mean. just like, a, hey, do you need, are you interested in hearing about paper and printer supplies? And so, yeah, sure, whatever. Okay. So maybe not necessarily somebody saying, company X is calling Sabre and saying, hey, I need paper and printer supplies, but this marketing research firm reaching out and saying, hey, do you need printer and paper supplies or are you interested in hearing about paper and printer supplies? And so like something like that. Whatever they turn out to be, whether it's a mix of both or one or the other, the sales staff at Dunder Mifflin Saber division, I guess, are very interested in getting these. Michael is very upset at the attitude of the sales staff, and they do seem busy. Everyone has an earpiece now. They have their devices. We see Jim bring a commission check into Michael to get it signed, and while he is in Michael's office, he's completing a sale or working with a customer via email or text on his cell phone, and Michael is sort of wanting to congratulate Jim in a way for such a big check. And that's because of the commission structure at Sabre. It really does incentivize selling a lot. And that's just funny because it doesn't, yes, Dunder Mifflin worked on commission, but it does not appear to have such a high commission structure or maybe had a commission cap or something. At another point in the episode, we see Angela very frustrated by Phyllis and coming over to Phyllis's desk and is like, hey, I sent you an email about this thing four times. And Phyllis tells her, well, if I don't have time to respond to your email, I don't have time to come to your desk to talk about this. And it's just funny to me how busier they are. And I don't know if it's the addition of printers that now maybe instead of only selling paper, they're also selling printers, but a printer is typically like a one-time purchase. So it's just it's just very interesting how busier all the sales staff appears to be. Even Dwight is really hammering this home. I mean, he's always had 
the attitude that he sort of makes Dunder Mifflin run. He says to the camera that sales is king under the Saber setup, and he's the top salesman, so he's the king of kings. He gets very grumpy with Michael during the conference room meeting. And this is really goes to what we've been saying maybe over the past season and a half that Dwight is doesn't really worship the ground that Michael walks on. This isn't season two or three Dwight to where he's trying to be Michael's number two or help run the meeting or squash the insubordination of maybe Stanley or Phyllis at this conference room meeting telling Michael that it's basically a waste of time. No, Dwight's in on saying, yeah, this is a waste of time. I have better things to do, sort of get out of my way a little bit. And that is something that will come up later on in this episode. But back to your point about there being much more, seemingly everybody is busier. I don't think it's necessarily that they are busier as much as it is they're more motivated I sure. mean, because, like you said, there is no sales cap at Sabre. And so on top of the clients that they already had, they are getting in these new leads, which seems to be maybe not a new thing. And so they are basically just trying to make as much money as they can. Sure, which anybody would, I guess, in that position, I feel like. And so we kind of see a tipping point in this episode where Andy is walking by Daryl's office and is on the phone with somebody and is in the process of closing a sale. And he needs a writing implement of some sort and just kind of like whisper yells into Daryl's office, hey, give me that pencil. And Daryl's like, no, there are other pencils in this area. You can go get one of those. Yeah, Andy's desk wouldn't be that far. Right. And so Andy tries to forcefully take the pencil away from Daryl, which goes about as well as you would expect. And after this incident, we see Daryl talking to Michael saying, hey, you need to get back into control because the sales staff is basically running the office now and acting like, they're the biggest thing in the office. Yes, Daryl tells Michael that he needs to get back on top and get control of the sales department. And so Michael takes this to heart in about the worst way possible, which, you know, what else do we expect from Michael at this point? At one point, Michael goes out into the office at large and announces to everybody that, hey, the new leads are in and all the salespeople are obviously very excited for this and like they're still but they're still being very arrogant and pushy in the way they want to get this get these leads like after Michael says this Phyllis just goes okay great hand them over numb nuts and it, it that, that just seems uncalled for it's like very very over the top yeah People didn't. People disrespected Michael, but typically not openly, in the way that they're doing now, which doesn't help the situation. So Michael's even more motivated to sort of tick off the sales staff and try and put them back in their place. So he just gives out these leads to non-sales employees. 
Which leads to a phone call from Gabe. It, we don't know who called Gabe, how they know. I'm going to guess it was either Phyllis or Stanley kind of letting corporate know this. Now, Gabe is supposedly back in Florida at this point. So we only hear, we only hear Gabe through the phone call to Michael. And Michael says, well, I'm important too. And Gabe's response is, well, yeah, you're in charge. You're in charge of supporting the sales staff. So just that sort of mindset of, yes, Michael's the manager, but he's managing, making things just easier for the sales staff, basically. Like that's the most important aspect of the company now. And Gabe kind of finishes the conversation by saying, you you need to give out those leads. So Michael's response is, that's exactly what I'm going to do. That's exactly what I'm going to do. Just sort of keep saying that so we know that Michael has some sort of idea that fits into the sentence of he's giving out the leads, but he's not exactly doing what he's supposed to be doing. And so in order to do this, Michael hands the leads out to various members of the office. And initially, to me, it seemed like he was trying to like spread the wealth like it's weird how this goes because he gives he tells some people that he's giving them out to non-sales staff but then when jim comes in and says hey you know you can't do that he's written a series of clues a scavenger hunt if you will for jim and so basically what this boils down to is that michael has given each salesperson's share of the leads to a different person with the exclusion of Jim, like you just said. And so Phyllis has to go to Angela to get her share of the leads. And Angela says, I will give those to you, but you have to finish this collating or whatever it is. Well, basically, Angela's making her do paperwork that then Angela's going to shred. She's making her fill out all these forms. Stanley's leads have been divided between Kelly and Ryan and just in a very weird, like this is, it's it's a funny scene, but it is just, it's a, how is this working? It seems very implausible that Kelly and Ryan would work together on this in order to make Stanley, I guess, work for his leads. Kelly and Ryan are having a debate, if you want to call it that, about the validity of keeping up with the Kardashians. And like anytime that Stanley chimes in on one side or the other, whosoever point he was supporting, like hands him one of his new lead cards. Andy's leads have been given to Aaron for some reason. Like that was pretty uh, bad foresight by Michael. Like yeah. why would Aaron withhold these leads from Andy? And... It leads to a game of hot and cold in which Andy almost risks it all uh, to get his leads before Aaron just shows him that they are under her keyboard. And then, yes, like you said, Jim has to go on a scavenger hunt in order to get his leads back. And he does this with the help of Pam. Yeah, this is a way to sort of get Jenna Fisher in on the episode because Pam is still on maternity leave. So Michael has written some weird twos of clues. One that just says, ends with something of the line, like under my, and Jim calls it moppy place. Pam says, that's his mopey place. It's this street lamp that he thinks was in Casablanca. So 
Pam knows Michael pretty well from being the office secretary and basically having to deal with him over the years. We do see a little bit of a montage, like Jim finds one lead, like stuffed into a can of Chef Boyardee or something like that. When the leads came in, Dwight was out on a, quote, important sales call and had demanded that Michael contact him as soon as they were in. Now, Michael did not do so. So when Dwight returns to find out that the leads have been distributed, he's super perturbed, even more so because of how Michael has done so. Now, Michael gave Dwight's leads to Kevin, and Dwight's uh, way of dealing with the situation was basically just to choke Kevin out until he gave up where he put the leads. Now, Kevin did something very silly and short-sighted with his leads. He put them in the trash. Not sure why he did this or what made him think that that would have been a good idea, but Aaron then took out the trash because of Toby's lunch and As Dwight goes dumpster diving for the leads, he realizes that the trash has already been taken because it's Friday and it's trash day. This leads Michael to say that he will go to the town dump to retrieve the leads. And he tries to invite the office to come with them and tries to paint (laughs) this going through the dump as just the first stop on a really fun night out together that they could, you know, maybe see a movie, get pizza, go to a bar, then go back for more pizza and call it a night. This is a really weird turn for Michael. Like up until this point, he still didn't really care that the salespeople didn't get their leads. And then all of a sudden now he's like, well, I guess I got to take responsibility for this. And so I'm going to go dig through some garbage. I think he realizes he's going to be in trouble with Joe and whoever else is at corporate because of how much money has been spent on leads and because he had been specifically instructed to give them to the sales staff and did so in a roundabout way that resulted in this very expensive thing getting thrown away and taken to the dump. Dwight is the only person that agrees to go with Michael and it's because, as he tells Michael, Michael would just screw it up if he went alone. So Dwight is going just to sort of oversee. Now when they get to the dump, which you can tell because this episode's from 2010, just how far like CGI and computer green screen stuff has come along. You can very much tell that this town dump has been green screened in. So Rain Wilson and Steve Carell are just sort of like picking through the margins. So maybe there was like a little bit of garbage on whatever soundstage they were filming on, if you know what I mean. And they're not actually like finding these leads because this looks like a ginormous uh, landfill. It could be like a waste transfer station, but it's definitely uh, probably a permitted landfill. And so (laughs) Curtis is laughing at me just getting very technical here because you know exactly what you're talking about here because of your job right but they're never going to find these leads that are in a random garbage bag but they are in a situation that leads to a confrontation basically yes dwight 
like you said, is not thrilled of the fact that he is with Michael at this point and kind of felt obligated to go for his own benefit, I guess. And Michael points out, and this is what you alluded to earlier, that in the past, Dwight would have jumped at the opportunity to just hang out with Michael for a couple of hours and do whatever random thing Michael had thought up. And Dwight brings up the fact that a couple of years ago, he got a call from some person or another who offered him a job and wanted to bring Dwight along as this person started their own kind of (laughs) management journey. And so Dwight's saying like he could have been the number two at Home Depot right now. And Michael fires back by saying, well, all this time I spent hanging out with you, I could have been meeting women at bars and, you know, meeting my soulmate. And I could have had been married and had kids by now. And so they're both kind of reflecting on their past relationship and where their relationship has gone now. I think Dwight makes a fair point that how long was he supposed to stay basically assistant to the regional manager? Michael never took him seriously, never took his career seriously, even though Dwight was the top salesperson. And I think maybe that's where this resentment at Jim comes through. Like rather than placing it towards Michael, Dwight has put it on Jim. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point. So they don't really resolve anything. They sort of air their grievances, and then they start, like, picking through the trash, basically. And they come back to the office. They have not found the leads. In throwing trash at each other. Yes. Before they, before they sort of make up, they are throwing trash at each other. And it ends because Michael picks up something that then, like, a bunch of water, like, falls out on it. It's probably disgusting. But they come back to the office. They've not found the leads, but they found, like, a beanbag chair and another. It looks like maybe, like, a dining table chair that they say, well, this is a great beanbag chair for the break room, which, gross, it's coming from Mm -hmm. the town dump. And everyone's like, no, I'm not going to sit in that. And Dwight tells him, well, too bad. It's just for him and Michael. Meanwhile, there has been a development at the office. The animosity towards the sales staff from basically everybody else has caused an awkward rift in the office. And Jim is trying to navigate through this. He, at one point, goes into the kitchen area and is just looking for his lunch and Kelly and Oscar are sitting in there already and Jim tries to like hop in on the conversation they're having and Kelly and Oscar are having none of that and Kelly pretty much straight up confronts Jim and just says that the entire sales staff is kind of just being arrogant jerks and so Jim takes this to the rest of the sales staff saying how can we make amends here? What can we do to kind of extend an olive branch and bury the hatchet with everybody else? Phyllis and Stanley are pretty resistant, particularly Stanley, to any sort of 
gesture to the rest of the staff. In their brainstorming session, Jim says, you know, he'll text Pam because Pam's pretty good with that stuff. And her suggestion is that they all buy them an iPod, which I'm not even sure that's a decent suggestion, quite frankly. Andy decides to ask Aaron her opinion because, as he says, well, she's pretty good at this stuff too, which is interesting because they've only had one date and we haven't seen them be public in the office is what I'm trying to say. Like, no one would know. And so it's such a weird thing for Andy to say beyond this that weird sort of public declaration thing around the Valentine's Day episode. I suppose we don't know how much time has passed since the last episode, and so maybe it is more of an open thing. I think this is more just like uh, he's he's putting it out, like this he's bragging, if you will. Just like, of. oh, hey, I'm also in a relationship with somebody in the office. Let me ask them. Right. The sales staff decides that what's going to really mend fences here is – giving the the non-sales staff a cut of the commission. So what they do is get a spread of bagels and pastries, making it seem like it's the morning, by the way, because it's like coffee and pastries, but it's not. It's like uh, the end of the day. I think it, it was like cookies and danishes, maybe, okay. and, and eclairs. So like... Just desserts. Yeah, kind of some breakfast adjacent things that are still like basically just sweets yeah which isn't that just the american breakfast anyways just sweets (laughs) yeah i don't see any problems with it either owen when the non-sales staff comes in it's basically oscar meredith kevin and angela so when they come into the conference room Stanley's not in there, and Phyllis is sort of explaining that, you know, they want to make a gesture to everyone, and, you know, here it is, they're sorry. And Oscar sort of jumps in and says, this was a real integrity move, we appreciate it. So Stanley comes in hot and is all pissed because thinking that they're going to take the money, and then Jim and Phyllis cut him off at like, oh no, they just accepted the treats, like we're fine. So everyone kind of comes together and is fine. And I hope that under the Sabre system, if the sales staff can have unlimited commission, hopefully there's enough left over to give accounting, customer relations, supplier relations, et cetera, all the other departments, a little bit of a raise, I guess. Yeah, this and this episode, you know, shows it. But this business model would seem like it would be rife with problems with non-sales people. Like, they very much would have issue with not being able to make near as much money as the sales people. So that's pretty much where the episode wraps up. We do see, at the very end, the cold close, if you will. Andy and Aaron having what we have to assume is their first kiss uh, in the dump while they are also looking for Dwight's leads. So let's go to the annex with Antoinette and find out any fun facts about this episode. The only fun fact is there apparently is a continuity error in the cold open of the picture that Michael shows to Jim. That Michael thinks is Johnny Depp. Apparently, the 
picture is different in the cuts between the camera work of that picture. Otherwise, there wasn't any, which I was kind of surprised. Like I said, you can tell it's like a green screen dump. Curtis, who gets fired this episode? Well, we lose Dwight for physically assaulting Kevin when Kevin won't tell him where his leads are. It's Dwight's sixth firing this season. It's his 28th overall. And then we lose Michael for not giving the salespeople their leads, but most specifically for the result of Dwight's leads getting thrown away. Yes. Yeah. It is Michael's eighth firing this season. It's his 56th overall. And of those 56 firings, I know that many of them are would be like legit firings, but I feel like this one would lead to his actual firing. Oh, definitely. Because in the past, much of that stuff can be written off because in was in the you know in the scope of the show it was written off because upper management was like well he sexually harassed this woman again or he just did this really really dumb thing but his branch makes money and it's the only one that does so he's clearly doing something right so i guess we gotta hold on to him Michael, now that Saber is in charge, doesn't have that cachet built up anymore. And so I have to imagine, and especially knowing what we know about Joe, I have to imagine that, oh, you you lost this thing that we spent a significant amount of money on? Well, you're fired. Sorry, you're done. Yeah, he doesn't have the background as a, like, prolific salesman with... Saber. He doesn't have that long memory to sort of keep him going. So yeah, this would definitely get him in major trouble. Although I would like to point out that we are 20 episodes into this season and he only has eight firings, which I'm going to guess is probably his best record of any season. It's probably close. He usually does run around 50%. And so we're slightly below 50% at this time. Antoinette, what is your Dundee for this episode? My Dundee is the Give Me a Break Award, and it goes to Kelly for the arguments that she makes about keeping up with the Kardashians when her and Ryan are having their argument in order to award Stanley leads for jumping in. And the reason I say that is because Ryan is saying he gets annoyed because he doesn't want to watch that show, and Kelly's like, what? It's a loving show about a family, and... If you've ever seen the show, it's not. That's the type of argument that people will make about, well, it's such a good show. It's just this show about this family that led the camera into their lives. And it's kind of a very gross oversimplification of, of like what the show is. Like, yes, they're related, but I would say, and I'm embarrassed to say I used to watch it back in the day. I haven't seen it for years. I would say like 90% of the show is them fighting, sometimes physically. Yeah, and I I am saying this without watching the show ever because, well, I'm a smarter person than that. Uh, it, it, to me, is the, it's kind of the epitome of what reality TV is now in yeah. that it is not reality at all. Like, everything yeah. that goes on in that show 
is scripted. Like everything is set up. Everything is very controlled. And like, this isn't, that's not reality TV. You're not, you know, following the real lives of people anymore. It is this, it is what the Kardashians want you to perceive their life is. Exactly. And I think that if you've ever like just kind of seen their like PR machine and how that show is just a cog in that, I guess you could argue it's smart. I mean, they all have made millions, maybe billions of dollars from what? From just basically a sex tape like that. They're now all famous and have, you know, sponsorships or whatever nonsense. Yeah. Like Instagram ads or whatever the heck. And, and many people have argued, you know, some, whatever deal Kris Jenner made with the devil, like look at them now. But yeah, it's just, um, a lot of people defend them and it's not, to me, I'm just indifferent and maybe you could argue that I'm not since I am making this sort of case about it, but it's just so, I, it's just shocking to me how long that show has been on the air and I think it's, I think it's going off the air soon. I, I want to say they just ran their final season. Like I don't, I don't believe it is on the air anymore. And, and, and now people are like, well, look, Kim Kardashian's trying to be a lawyer. And that makes me roll my eyes a little bit, too, because I'm like, okay, only in California, you can sort of read, it's called reading the law, where you can basically work as an apprentice. It's what Abraham Lincoln did back in the day when they didn't really have many established law schools is that you learn to be a lawyer from an already established lawyer and then you just have to take the California bar. Now I will say the the uh, stats for passing the California bar if you didn't go to, to an accredited law school are atrocious. The California bar notoriously has a very high fail rate but if you dig into that number it's mostly people that didn't go to an accredited law school because you don't have to in order to take the California bar. Interesting. Yeah. So Curtis what's your dummy? The we can do better than that award goes to the production side of this episode just like you pointed out that dump scene is one of the most glaringly obvious i don't think it's i don't think it's green screen i it might be i can't tell like without watching again if the stuff in the background is moving i honestly think it is just a a mural for lack of a better word background and then they threw a bunch of trash in there but like none of the lighting is natural and it seems like the shadows are all off like there's the shadow coming from one side on Dwight and then it's a different side on Michael like it is just one of the most glaringly obvious soundstage setups you will ever see and like that's nitpicking at this point because like I do not expect a somebody to go out and be like all right we got to film this scene at a dump um let's go that call time's at three o'clock who is your employee of the month i chose the sales staff just because as dwight pointed out under this new system he can bring in one hundred thousand dollars a year of commission and jim just got a pretty big check and that does seem like 
a pretty big move up for the sales staff from what the structure was under Dunder Mifflin. Who is your employee of the month? I chose Jim specifically just because he was the one that recognized the rift between the departments and was the one that kind of got the ball rolling on trying to make amends for that. That's an excellent point. That's a that's a good employee of the month for this episode, Owen. So that will do it for this week's episode. Please be sure to follow us on Twitter at DownsizingPod to get all the latest updates. And be sure to keep listening to us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to us. Be sure to rate, subscribe, like, and comment wherever you can in order to keep getting our name out there. We appreciate you guys listening, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.